This podcast is brought to you by WeTransfer, the world's largest file transfer service. Since 2009, WeTransfer's free platform has been enabling creative thinkers around the world. Visit wetransfer.com today and see for yourself. Hi, this is Giles Peterson. This is another episode in my series where I'm exploring the psychology of DJing. I want to understand what it is that makes the other DJs tick. I know it's kind of easy at the beginning when you start DJing because it's just fun and it's a great hobby and it's just the best job in the world. But when it becomes something that suddenly you've got agents and managers and fees and all that kind of thing, what is it that gets you through it? Because there are days that aren't as easy as other ones. So for this interview, I spoke to a DJ who... I feel is one of the pivotal DJs in the London scene, certainly that I was influenced by. He himself was influenced by David Rodigan and a lot of the sound systems of the mid-80s, like Saxon. His early DJ gigs were mainly in London's West End, at places like Family Function. He produces Dodge City. I remember their records on 4th and Broadway. They were really great, kind of like early hip-hop soul records from the UK. But the record that really opened it up for me and where he really planted his unique musical seed was the song My History, which I consider to be the opening door to Broken Beat. He started his legendary night co-op at the Velvet Rooms and that was followed by many years, classic years at Plastic People. My special guest is IG Culture. In this episode, we started off speaking about his love of collecting records. From I had that much records... I wanted to DJ. So it didn't really matter about the 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 quantity at that stage. I was just catching up with all the stuff uh, I'd missed through how I grew up. Um and I'd I'd missed a lot of music. Um why? Just because of the type of household that I I grew up in, which was what? It was very um religious and they were kind of against secular music. And so the more they kind of fought against us listening to it, the more we listened to it, because it was just like, no, what's, you know? And and so when, when, I, when I started to hear that music, I was just like, I grabbed hold of it, because it, 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 it probably meant more to me than just needing records, just to kind of like, yeah, because I want to, be a DJ it was just like I'm disco- I'm discovering the instant classics they're classics already but to me I'm hearing them and you're p- and you're picking out records that are classics anyway to everyone else mm. but you're just like wow later on it became okay I want to get on the map as a DJ okay so you've spent quite a few years finding yourself what have you been doing since dodge city and that record had you did you have substance abuse were you living <laughs> but no well, how was your lifestyle then because i mean we all smoked a whole heap then and i and and it was a case of coping with it or did, was that something or how did you you know because there's all this it was all new right and but what, what all after, the- after the dodge city thing you know i spent a few years getting into martial arts and stuff to clear my head just because i was just so stoned and fucked up um that I, I just needed like um some direction because mm. I was a, I went a bit bonkers basically um and that helped me a lot that helped me through that period I was doing a lot of training and even when I I, I started my own label 
because because at the time I started a label that was my first attempt and I just wanted to just do it off my own back I didn't want to do have anything to do with anyone mm. um uh, I guess you know some people would say yeah you you probably got a little bit bitter but I know I now know that it was just like I wasn't ready for it so um yeah, I spent a few years just trying to work out how to be a producer, basically. Because cause to tell you the truth, when when um, I, I was working with Dutch City Productions, um, apart from making some beats on the W30, I didn't know how to use a sampler. I didn't know how to really use a, a C-Lab notator. So after that, that's when I really kind of started to work out how to how to do it properly um and yeah it, you know i guess 8 years later um new sector movements was the the basically the, the result of all that period now producer lots of releases after that um different names son of scientist um, liquid biscuit, liquid biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I'm remembering all this stuff. I'm not looking at nothing here. Um, and um, and you know, tons of stuff. Um, you know, I mean that. Mu- and funnily enough, that music, benchmark music. Uh, and these days, you're hearing it back in the influences. You know, it affected American music, it affected global global reach. Um, and um, but. I didn't really know you as a DJ then. I just knew you as IG, the producer. But when I would hear you DJing, I was like, this guy is a proper DJ. I mean, you know, proper, proper DJ. So how were you learning? What, what, yeah, how were you, because you didn't, you, you know, a lot of producers, they produce and they DJ and it's never quite as good. But you were almost a better DJ than you were a producer. Yeah, I was smacking it as a DJ from way back. I mean, I was, I was like the first resident DJ at Fresh and Funky, me and Dodge. You know, and and when we left, that's when Brian Norman came in and 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 took it. But that yeah. was in Leicester Square on a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, right. and that was like every week. Who was the guy who used to run that? The curly hair. Oh yeah, I can't remember his okay, name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but good crowd. It was a good. That was the scene. That was the place, right? Yeah. For a bit. That was a good party. Yeah. That was like, um, I I also did. Uh, it was almost like a five year stint with Femi at at uh, at the um. The jazz cafe. So, um, and with sound system stuff, were you doing carnival? Were you doing those sort of things? No, I, as you say, Jars, I was always on the fringe, always on the outskirts, trying to get gigs where I can, but never kind of like I was. I was that that Theolonius guy. Do you know what I mean? Everyone knows and everyone likes in in private, but not in public, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Okay. So. Um, yeah. That, um, when was the first gig that you did? I mean, of course, these gigs were really important. I regard those as kind of foundation gigs. You know, every DJ's got to do his residency. He's got to just get down there and be on time and knock it out and do that thing. We all, we all done that. But when was the moment you got to the point where you were, okay, this is my spot. This is my party. This is the one that people remember me by. Well, okay, before, before that... Um, before we get to that, I did a, a long stint at a party called Spice 
at a place called Zatapex. Can't remember exactly where that was. And and I guess that that would be one 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 of the earliest residencies where sometimes I'm there and it's just me one in that back room, you know. Um so yeah, that that would be an an early residency, but I guess the one that really popped off where where I'm involved in a growing scene, it, it would have been co-op at the Velvet Rooms. I guess that's when, you know, I had free reign to play the music that I wanted to play and the music that I'm making to a crowd of people. Um, yeah, it was it was a very interesting time just because the people who was coming to that scene, they... They they were looking for something new, probably old boogie heads, old you know, um, and I guess we we provided the thing that they were looking for it was a freestyle event, you know. Um, it was just rough and ready. Later on, it became more formulaic and more kind of like okay, that's the co-op brand or the yeah. But them days, it was like just a bunch of us. Who was it? Okay. It was a guy named Alex Attias. Um, Domu. Seiji. Myself. Phil Asher. Digo. Demas. Orin Walters. Um, that, that would have been the core of the early days of that, that scene. I mean, other people would come in. I mean, one of the earliest people who was part of that scene and DJed there, but he didn't stay with the scene, was a guy named Madaji. So he, he would have been an early participant of that thing. And obviously you had other Bugs members drifting in and out. So as a DJ going into that sort of side of things, I've never seen you as somebody who's kind of... Uh, in any way afraid of it um you seem to lap it up enjoy it when i see you behind the decks you're in all the way um was there ever a time when you suddenly went from it being a really fun thing to do to being something that became a job and something that you had to sort of get yourself into a different head zone to cope with it or deal with it towards the end of the co-op stint I just couldn't deal with it anymore. I could not deal with going there and putting on the game face and working the crowd. And I had to kind of psych myself up to, to, to do it, basically. Um, but in general, I, I love to play. I mean, yeah, once I'm in there, sometimes it's kind of, you know, if you've got a, a, a late set, sometimes it's kind of like... Drag, dragging yourself up to go out late to play late but what while I'm actually doing it I love it you know what is it that you enjoy the most about being a DJ what is the sort of final gratification well I did a gig recently with Normski and um, a guy called Gerald and those guys are all pretty much of the same kind of era or maybe Gerald is just before I'm, I'm not sure but we all were just connected on a higher level and we didn't have to talk to each other. We knew exactly what everyone was doing. And, you know, I'm there on the decks and I just cut the fader and my man starts talking, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like 
on a high level of connection. And sometimes you're, you're playing and the records are just connecting and it's just, just like that record was supposed to come. It was written for that record to come after that record. So sometimes it is kind of like spiritual, maybe, I don't know, something like that, where you're operating on a high level and it's just like, and everyone's just like, ah. <laughs> Do you ever get nervous? Uh, no. Um... Okay. At the beginning, when I would start started DJing, I, I would get a bit nervous. But then I would say to myself, I'd program myself. I would just say, "Well, it's just it's just a continuation of your last gig. So just imagine yourself on the decks, just five minutes after your last gig. So so when I get on, I'm still in the same gig. So I'm just like, yeah. So I'm just normal, you know." That's how I crush the kind of nerves. Very good. Um, do you ever get a... What is it that you're trying to achieve as a DJ? Um, is it breaking new music? Is it just giving people a good time? Is it... Uh, to what level is edutainment part of it? Um, I'm an entertainer anyway. Before I'm a DJ, I'm an entertainer. So, you know... I, I, I want to I, I be entertaining people with, in all kinds of ways. Like for instance, I want to be, sometimes I don't want to be just DJing. I want to be beat juggling while I'm playing, you know, and showing people, almost showing people production while I'm doing it, making loops and kind of doing that kind of stuff. And sometimes I just want to show people some foundation music. Um, and, um, I don't want to, I don't want to play where I'm just going over people's heads, but hopefully people are recognizing that the tunes that I'm drawing, you're supposed to be dancing to, or you're supposed to be feeling. So, so yeah, I I, want to be playing music that I'm into and I know that they're going to be into. And sometimes, and sometimes I'm just playing safe and just playing that that straight up kind of Grammy tunes that everyone knows. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, simple. Long short sets. What's the perfect time for you? <sighs> um, just give me, just give me like an hour and a half. You know what I mean? Just smack it and just leave. You know what I mean? Yeah. No long thing. I was I was in um, Japan uh, at one point, and um, a guy named Morris Fulton, he was doing the main set, and that would have that would have been an, like an all night thing. So he played probably like eight hours after I finished, and after he was in tears, throwing up, and he was just like hugging me and all that kind of thing. So he he he, he took it to a, a next plane. You know what I mean? You're giving a lot of energy when you're doing that. Do you know what I mean? So, but yeah, just give me just give me an hour and a half. So, you're playing out a lot again. Coming well, I, through. What are you up to at the moment? I mean, things things are are picking up again. Um, I'm 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 doing this co-op presents parties now. Um, I've got one coming up next month 
We've got a, a Sunfall one, and I'm going to do a Carnival one. So that's that's picking up. Um, I'm getting checked by, you know, people now, you know, I'm putting music out again and people are beginning to check me again. So it's 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 almost um at the beginnings again. I've always had to kind of be starting again, Jars, you know, because I've been involved with a lot of things that haven't reached where they're supposed to have reached. And I've that's that's probably a lot of the, 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 the projects I've then done was probably out of necessity at the time, just to kind of relaunch myself, reinvent, you know. Um, so right now it, it kind of feels like almost like a renaissance period, the beginnings again of this thing. And it's, you know, it's about kind of putting an idea in the public's head of, you know, you're telling them what, what, it is basically. If you do, if you went back, would you do it any other way? No, of course not. You 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 couldn't, or else it wouldn't be what it is. You 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 you, you know. If you if you went back, because I love all that time travel stuff, deja vu and stuff, you'd have to do it exactly the same way for it to be, you know, what it is. Mate, pain I, and all. Yeah, well, I'm telling you, I I know that you know you've just this has ruined my life this is off the record now this has ruined my life this shit <laughs> <laughs> has it has it um okay sometimes i kind of look at some people and their lives and they're doing kind of what is perceived as the you know they have kids and they have all that. And sometimes they want that. But then there's a whole load of things that come with that as well. So if I was to choose, I guess I would have to choose this this life and maybe someone who's prepared to go along with the ride. Sadly, not a lot of people are are prepared to go along with the left to centre rides. You know what I mean? It's It's been a big problem, Giles. You know, it's tough. It's fascinating. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to chat to IG. Thank you so much, IG, for coming in to talk to us about your psychology of DJing. You can find more episodes on this series by going on to WeTransfer. This podcast is presented by WeTransfer Studios, Giles Peterson and Worldwide FM. Visit wetransfer.com slash thisworks to see more of our creative collaborations.